Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Another week is rolling, so jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the difference between boxed beef prices and fed kettle prices has been catching folks' attention all year long. In fact, it's been the subject of a couple of hearings in Washington, D.C. One of those was held last week. We'll check in with what was said in that hearing coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Transpecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. What crop insurance agents hear from their clients can provide some good indications of what lies ahead for the coming season. I'm James Hunt, and on Texas Ag Today, we'll share one agent's insights about the new wheat season. Learning about agriculture through the doorways to agriculture at the State Fair of Texas and the Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. A change in valley weather is here. Some cool morning lows, but warm afternoons. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The House Agriculture Committee held a hearing last week on the livestock industry discussing possible reforms to improve price discovery in the fed cattle market. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, who's also an Iowa farmer, addressed the committee. Over the past 18 months, we've seen massive price discrepancies between fed cattle and box beef. This is pushing cattle producers and feeders to the brink of having to sell their operations. The four major meat packing companies control 80 to 85 percent of cattle slaughter. Given the critical nature of their operations, these packers dominate the marketplace and limit opportunities for price negotiation. Grassley has authored legislation that would mandate 50% of fed cattle purchased by packers be bought on the cash market. Texas dairy farmers are getting yet another new cheese plant. The world's leading manufacturer of mozzarella cheese plans to build a new cheese plant in Texas. According to the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, Denver-based Laprino Foods plans to build an 850,000-square-foot mozzarella cheese manufacturing facility in East Lubbock County. The company is reportedly investing $870 million to build the plant on nearly 260 acres. Laprino's proposal for the manufacturing plant says it will process around 
8 million pounds of milk per day and will produce over a million pounds of cheese daily. The proposal indicates the milk will come from Texas dairies. The manufacturing facility is expected to be fully operational by the spring of 2025. The plant is expected to bring around 600 full-time positions to the Lubbock area. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Ranchers in East Texas have been fighting armyworms for at least a couple of months now, but in North Central Texas, they're just now showing up. Michael White farms in Wilbarger County near Vernon. Yeah, you know, armyworms are usually a problem for us, but we don't usually see those armyworms until about right now. Usually that's the early wheat planted for fall grazing, for early grazing, you know, that's that's where we, we really see armyworms. We don't have that many armyworm problems usually in our grasses like they do maybe over in the eastern part of Texas or northeastern part of Texas. White says his cattle herd is looking great going into the winter thanks to the summer rains and plenty of grass. The 2022 wheat crop is going into the ground right now and will soon have a new winter growing season underway. James Hunt visits with a Texas High Plains crop insurance agent about what to expect this year. There have been, as always, some unfortunate cases where weather issues wiped out individual farmers' crops, but overall, Rachel Myers of Myers Crop Insurance in Claude says when it comes to crop insurance claims in our area this year, things have been on the moderate side. I would probably rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 in the area of a 3, just because we had some early season losses on cotton and then some sporadic hail. But all in all, it has not been anywhere near as severe as several other years we've been through. Now it's on to the winter wheat season. And Meyer says based on what she's been hearing while selling policies for that crop, area farmers appear to have a greater interest in wheat this year. As we are meeting with our customers to go over their options for the wheat crop, typically we're asking them acres just for our own benefit to deliver them the best quote possible. But through that process, I do think we're going to see a substantial amount of wheat acres that is dependent on the crop rotations. But then also with a $7.08 wheat insurance price, I think that's driving a lot of people to look really hard at this wheat crop. Hopefully any troubles out in the fields will be kept to a minimum this season. But Meyer says do keep your crop insurance agent in the loop if issues arise along the way. I know with wheat, there's really not much we can do on wheat losses until March of next year, but it's always good to let your agent know if you've lost that crop or if you're having problems with it. On another note, the sales closing deadline for pasture, rangeland, and forage insurance has been pushed back from November 15th to December 1st. But other than that, Meyer says she's not aware of any significant changes coming up regarding crop insurance rules. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fair season is in full swing across Texas. Tom Nicoletti tells us this is always a great opportunity to educate the public about agriculture. For today's program, we go to Dallas and catch up with Dakota Massey. She is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Director of Urban Outreach. And we uh, find her at the State Fair of Texas, where she is overseeing the Doorways to Agriculture exhibit, which is part of Farm Bureau's effort to explain agriculture to uh, urban public or uh, the rural public. And also, uh, in addition to the Doorways of Agriculture uh, being uh, in Dallas uh, this week, it's also 
at the Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo in Waco. And both of those shows end on October 17th. But Dakota, in the meantime, uh, what can people learn when they go through uh, Doorways to Agriculture? So the goal of Doorways to Agriculture is to inform anyone and everyone that agriculture is impacting their life daily in many ways besides just the food and the clothes that they wear. The goal with Doorways to Ag is whatever door you walk through, your home, your office, the dentist, the grocery store, at least one thing in that room comes from agriculture. It may not be the typical way that you think of ag, of the food that we eat. What type of activities can people engage in when they go through doorways to agriculture? So when you come and explore the exhibit with us, we have individual kiosks or computer games that you can play. We have a kitchen island game where you can build your burger or your taco to your specifications and then you eat it by tapping on the screen, competing with a partner to see who can eat their taco the fastest. Or they can go over to the washer and the dryer and learn about cotton harvest and the different stages of cotton goes through before it can be harvested. That again is Dakota Massey. She is Texas Farm Bureau Urban Outreach Associate Director. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fall is bringing a change in the weather in extreme South Texas. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. We're starting to see the changes from tropical weather to watching for fronts as they try to make it this far to extreme South Texas. One front moving down the coastline dropped 8 to 10 inches of rain in Willisee and Cameron County, causing severe flooding, a lot of high water rescues. Morning lows have fallen only, though, into the 60s, with daytime highs still in the mid to upper 90s, but humidities have been sharply lower. The valley is busy ginning cotton. We still have trailers and round bales stacked up on most of the valley gin yards. We needed this crop badly after Hurricane Hannah took almost all of last year's crop. Corn, cotton, and sorghum growers will all admit they had a above-average year. Well, citrus will start to grow again as these mornings get a little cooler. Not much citrus, though, to harvest this year, although many groves have rebounded well. Others have been basically pushed out. One major shed will not open this season. Instead, its fruit will be picked, packed, and marketed through another shed. The economies are just not there for both sheds to operate. October is basically onion planting time. Uh, Spring sweet onions are always a big event for valley agriculture. Let's hope that this season we had the labor to harvest those onions instead of letting most of them rot in the field. Now, the question is still unanswered if there will be able uh, to labor to harvest our fall crops and into the watermelon season. Rains have brought pastures back to life. Producers are bailing a lot of hay right now. Pastures are green and well-stocked tanks are adequate. The valley needs more cool weather and a few rains also would not hurt. And we'll hopefully will have those coming uh, as we progress through the winter season. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley reporting for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is looking for your input. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have the story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And equine infectious anemia, or EIA, is making its presence known here in Texas this year. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We're seeing cases of equine infectious anemia, or EIA, here in Texas. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. You may not recognize the disease EIA, but you may recognize the test for the disease, and that is the Coggins test. A Coggins test is required every year for all horses in Texas that will be exposed to other horses or that change ownership. EIA does not infect humans, but can infect all equine animals and cause fever, depression, low platelet counts, anemia, purple spots on the mucous membranes, fluid retention under the skin, muscle weakness, and atrophy. EIA is a viral disease that is spread from horse to horse by blood-to-blood contact due to horse flies, deer flies, or stable flies. However, the Texas Animal Health Commission believes that the disease may have been transmitted in these cases by using the same needle between horses. Unfortunately, there is no vaccine available for preventing EIA, and there is no treatment for the disease. EIA is a reportable disease in Texas, and affected horses must be euthanized or quarantined from other horses for the remainder of their lives. Since prevention of the disease is the only option, make sure any horse you purchase or any horse that you allow on your farm has a negative Coggins test. Also, do not take your horse to any events or other equine farms that do not test all their horses for EIA. Exposing your horse to other horses that are not tested is risking the life of your horse. Some of the things you can do to decrease the chances of infection are insect control and always use only one needle per horse. Disposable needles are not that expensive and using a used needle is not worth the risk of your horse being destroyed because of using a used needle that costs only a few cents. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is looking for your input. Jessica Domel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking the public to weigh in on proposed changes to its rules surrounding when fishing is prohibited off the coast during or after a freeze. A hard freeze, like the one that we saw during Winter Storm Uri in February, can cause fish to congregate in deeper waters in order to survive. Due to the cooler-than-normal water temperatures, they become sluggish and are prone to capture. To protect fish during these conditions, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission issued an executive order limiting fishing in those hard-hit areas in February. The new proposed rules, according to Parks and Wildlife, are intended to optimize the effectiveness of current rules surrounding freeze events. The current rule allows Parks and Wildlife to restrict fishing in areas of coastal water where fishing from the bank is possible. The proposal would remove that qualification and allow the commission to temporarily suspend 
spend fishing in any coastal waters impacted by a freeze. The current rule defines a freeze as a period of cold weather with an air temperature below 32 degrees Fahrenheit. The proposal would modify that to reflect that the water temperature is more important for fish than the air temperature. It would allow the suspension of fishing if the water temperature drops below 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Their proposal would also allow TPWD's executive director to determine when fishing may resume after a freeze. Current rules do not list criteria for reopening. Parks and Wildlife will host a public hearing on those proposed changes to thermal refuge rules on Thursday, October 14th at 6 p.m. on Zoom. A link is available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Well, how did the markets kick off the week on Monday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The live cattle market started out the week with limited movement in most contracts. October live cattle closed out Monday, five cents higher at 125.62. December live cattle were down seven cents to 130.17. February live cattle were up seven cents to 134.87. We saw some narrow gains in the feeder cattle market Monday as well. October feeder cattle were down 15 cents to 159.32. November feeder cattle were up 57 cents to 161.72. January feeder cattle were up 97 cents to 162.10. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble and Benny Cox from Producers in Cargyle in San Angelo. He recently had a sheep and goat sale. We had just a tick over 6,000, which is about what we figured. Compared to the week before, we, we didn't have near as many of those wool lambs. They sold near steady to what we saw you know, the week before, which was like 20, 30 bucks lower. These slaughter lambs sold near steady, especially on those lightweights. And some of those heavier weights are still under a little pressure. Your slaughter ewes, they sold mostly 3 to $5 lower. Kid goats, they sold from 10 to $15 higher on you. Sure enough, nice kind. You know, we had a bunch of those things that were just not quite, you know, wasn't fancy. So I'd say some of those, you know, might have looked a little lower on those. But sure enough, top ends. 15 higher. Slaughter nannies from 170 to 230, but mostly 190 to 205. And these mature billies kind of 180 to 248. It's hard to buy one under two bucks. It has been for a long time. So those things dollar out pretty good. You know, those old wore out billies, lots of them will bring 300 to 350 uh, just sailing. Uh, the wool feeder lambs, we had smoked big things weighed up, and I think they weighed 117, bring 208, but some of those lightweights up there over 290, 294 being the high. 
uh, slaughter lamb. The light end of those from 260 to 348. Lots of those 45 to 55 pounders brought well over, you know, well over three dollars. Kind of 320 to 330s where lots of them fill in there. Uh, heavier weights uh, anywhere from two dollars to 280. Mostly, you know, two dollars to 240 on those over 80 pounders. The slaughter used 90 to 112, mostly 95 to 105. And the kid goat sold in a range from 260 to 365, but mostly three to 330. Tell everybody how to contact you, Benny. Then call me on my mobile is 325-234-4277. Office, same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host, and I'll see you again tomorrow. Lean hog futures steadily backed away from some aggressive gains that we saw a few weeks ago. October lean hogs down 30 cents to 89.95. December lean hogs were down $1.32 to 80.17. December cotton down 81 points to $1.09. March cotton down 67 points to $1.07. December 2022 cotton was up 108 points to 89.76. By the way, the U.S. Department of Agriculture is expected to release its monthly World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report on Tuesday. We're expecting to see world cotton production to be lower in that report than we saw in the last month's report. World carryout is expected to be lower as well. Corn traded higher for much of the day Monday. December corn up two and a half to 533. March corn up two and three quarters to 542 and a quarter. Analysts say the WASDE report we're expecting on Tuesday is expected to show a slight decrease in corn yield. December hard red wheat was down three Monday to 734 and a half. March hard red wheat was down three to 742 and three quarters. July hard red wheat was down two to 740 and three quarters. That USDA report Tuesday is expected to show lower carryout and a further decrease in U.S. wheat ending stocks. Soybean harvest across the U.S. is moving forward at an above-average pace, and that could be why we saw some declines in the soybean markets on Monday. November soybeans were down 14 and three quarters to 12.28 and a quarter. November natural gas was down 17 cents Monday to 5.39. December natural gas down 15 cents to 5.55. We saw crude oil top $81 a barrel Monday due to global natural gas shortages, but we didn't close at $81 a barrel. November crude oil closed pretty close. It was up $1.16 to $80.51 a barrel. That is the first time that we've settled above $80 a barrel since 2014. Those oil prices did impact our financial markets on Monday. The Dow was down 166 points to 34,580. The S&P 500 was down 15 to 4,375. The Nasdaq was down 27 to 14,551. Well, that wraps up today's look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.